Well, welcome everyone. It's so good to have you on this day where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One of the things uh, is to make sure all of you who might be visiting here for the first time uh, are very welcome. We're glad you're here. If you're watching for the first time, we're very glad you're celebrating this day with us. The only thing you're missing is that the production team has turned up the bass. So, you know, there's a lot of rumbling going on here. That's the only thing you're missing. Other than that, we're glad you're with us. Uh, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's critical to understand it's not only the foundation of our faith, but it is the foundation of who we are as human beings. It describes the nature of our existence. So I would like you to do something, kind of go on a little bit of a journey with me. And for all of those who are followers of Christ, people who are redeemed, uh, born again, can you remember the day of your salvation? Okay. I want you to think back in that time in your life where you like, you know, maybe you were thinking about it or you heard about it or someone had shared with you, but the day on which you realized this is true, it is real, and I am all in. That day of your salvation. Do you remember the joy? Do you remember the, the freedom, the hope, the release that it brought you, that that energy and anticipation uh, of what new things that you could now, you know, experience in life, tackle in life, what's going to happen? Because for the first time you realize, I'm not all on my own, but I'm going through this with Jesus. God is on my side, you know, and we are together. The day of your salvation is a day of great celebration and great joy. Don't ever forget it. This is why King David, the Old Testament, he said, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Take me back to that day when I first met you. In 2021, in the aftermath of Hurricane Ida, uh, the Louisiana coast was just devastated, okay? And there are people that were going around knocking on doors, just checking on people to see how they were doing. And they knocked on the door of this one guy. His name was Sam. And Sam had been retired a few years, and he was like, not doing well. It's good that they caught him on that day. And they were like, what's going on? He just says, you know, he's sharing with them, well, you know, I need, my house has been devastated. This thing has wiped us out again, and it's so overwhelming. But this is just the culmination of the last few years of my life, just been a disaster. They said, what's going on? He goes on to explain how he and his uh, wife had gotten divorced a number of years before. And what had happened is he had gotten stuck and what he came to realize was bitterness towards his ex-wife. He says, I just can't let it go. And then this hurricane comes through. It's just, you know, it's a metaphor for my life. Everything's been stripped away. And they said, well, would you like to find freedom and peace? And he says, yes. And so they preached the gospel to him. And in that living room of a house with no running water electricity because of a hurricane, what happened is he came to Christ, redeemed believer. And at the end, he even prayed that his ex-wife would come to meet Christ as well. See, that was the day of his salvation. 
few years ago, there was a widespread flooding in Detroit. I don't know if you remember this. Um, it's not like I read a lot about Detroit, you know, but uh, I was reading about this situation where people, once again, were going through knocking on doors, right, just to check on people. And they came across this family. It was a group of Muslims that had immigrated from Pakistan, right? And they'd been living in the United States for a few years, not, not a long time. Then this flood came through and was causing all these issues. They knocked on the door. And what happened is they said, you know, uh, they, the, one of the gals in there, her name was, was Arizo. They said, uh, are you struggling with what's going on? Yes. Do you have any peace about your life? Do you have any inner peace? Do you have anything that you can fall back on in times like this? She goes, no, I don't. She, they, so they said, well, do you know about Jesus? And she says, well, I, I'm familiar with Jesus because I was raised Muslim. And they said, do you know that he wants to have a personal relationship with you? And she says, no, I don't know that. Tell me. And so what happened is they begin to preach the gospel to her, and then she and her entire family all become followers of Christ. That was the day of her family's salvation. What a great day that is. Does that remind you, baby, of what happened in your life? Well, in 2021, you remember the uh, Dixie Fire in Northern California, largest one in their history. And uh, people from all over the United States went down there to help. I know people who from Idaho went down there to help. And a bunch of ministries went down there and set up, you know, shelters and things to try to help people and distribute stuff, people in need. Well, there was Margaret, and she'd lived there most of her life. And now that she had to evacuate. She was going to lose everything. And everything was so chaotic. Her life was in total turmoil. So she stopped into one of these shelters. They start giving her some water. They start giving, and they say, hey, what's going on? She's talking about how her whole life is unraveling because of all this. And they said, well, don't you have a reservoir of peace? Don't you, what, what is it that sustains you in times like this? And she goes, honestly, I don't have anything. I mean, I, I, re- I feel like I've lost everything. And I don't have anything to fall back on. And they said, well, let us tell you about Jesus. And so they preached the gospel to her. And she said, I desperately need true peace. I need the real deal. And so she became a follower of Christ in that moment. That was the day of her salvation. What was your day of salvation like? What was it like when for the first time you said, Lord, I believe I'm all in? You know, the number one need of human beings is inner peace. Research tells us that, but do we really need a psychiatrist with a clipboard to tell you that the most important thing in your life is a sense of knowing who you are, why you're here, and how it can all work out in the end? That life is not just some random accident, but there's actually a point into purpose for your existence. One of the reasons why most people don't ever experience inner peace, never come to that conclusion, is because they live what I call unredeemed lives. The equation is pretty simple. No redemption equals no peace. We lack inner peace because we don't understand the need for our lives to be redeemed. We struggle to do it ourselves. We look to the world for answers. It never works out. But the evidence around us is all over. We see it. It's so real. When, you, when your life is unredeemed, you really ultimately have no meaning or purpose. If you don't know why you're alive, if there's no meaning or purpose to your life, it's really hard to live for something. You can pick things, but they seem to be empty or devoid. It's without something to live for. How do you set any real priorities of what life is supposed to be? How do you really know? You just guess and try stuff. And if it doesn't work out for you, then well, uh, you move on. But that's not inner peace. That's inner dissatisfaction. 
Living an unredeemed life means that you have no non-negotiables as a man, you know? One of my favorite quotes from Martin Luther King is this. He says, if a man doesn't have anything he's willing to die for, then he is not fit to live. Martin Luther King had something he was willing to die for, and he did. But when you have no non-negotiables, guess what? You, you can't develop an honor code by which to live. You have no standards for yourself because you don't even know what the standards are or what they should be. That's called living an unredeemed life. And why is that important? Well, because if your life's unredeemed, then you have no inner peace. You have no hope. And my friends, this is why we celebrate the resurrection every year at this time. Because this is the entire point and purpose of Jesus. It's the whole kibit and caboodle. What in the world is a kit and what is a caboodle? I have no idea. But that's it. It's right there. It is the whole enchilada. It is the, the thing. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to redeem your life. He didn't come to start a new religion. He didn't come to start a new fashion trend. He didn't come to start a new dietary plan, political movement, social hierarchy, or economic system. He came for one purpose and one purpose only. He says, to seek and to save that which is lost. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. And that one purpose is to redeem your life. Now, how do I know this? Well, when you read the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are biographies on the life of Jesus. And in that, it talks about the resurrected Jesus in each of those stories. That is the culminating point of each book. But in Corinthians, Paul wrote a letter to this church, and he explains to them why this is such a big deal. Okay? Why it is not only just the foundation of our faith, it's the essence of who we are. So let me read it to you in order for you to be reminded about the day of your salvation. Now, if you're a person who has yet to have a day of salvation, I'd like you to listen in on this and realize, man, this is a big deal. And this is why followers of Christ celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because without it, nothing works. Listen to what he says. Verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you were saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. In other words, this is the point. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, which is a nickname for the Apostle Peter, and then to the Twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. 
So listen to what Paul is saying. He's saying that the resurrection, the thing that we celebrate on this day, is the whole point of redemption and how we find peace, hope, meaning, new life, and second chances. It's all in Christ. Notice how he says this. Let's go back to verse 1. He says, I want to remind you that I preached to you. So somebody went and told them. Now, when you think back to your day of salvation, who preached to you, right? Who told you about the reality of yourself and Jesus, you know? Think back. What a great person that someone would actually risk that would kind of take a chance to say, this is the truth. Maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe it was a parent or an uncle or a friend. Who knows? A teacher, a coach. Somebody who said, wow, I will share with you the gospel. And what happened? It says they received it. So what they did is it says they understood it as, boy, this finally explains the reality of my existence. It explains the universe to me. Okay. Then it says, and then you have taken your stand. So not only did they receive it and say, this explains everything. They said, this is something that I'm willing to stake my life on. I'm going to stand on this, this truth from this point forward. Then he says this, it is by this gospel you are saved. That's it. You're saved by the gospel. Okay. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. So he says, okay, you heard the gospel, you received it, you're standing on it, and by it you're saved. This is how you become redeemed. So what exactly is the gospel? I mean, what is it? And this is what he says specifically in these verses. He goes, okay, here it is. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Okay? So Jesus died for our flaws, our mistakes, our failures, our regrets, it, it, all of our imperfections in life, right? He died for all of that, okay? And then it says, did die for any other reason, died for that reason. He says, then he was what? Buried. And so he was in the tomb, okay? Then after three days, he was raised according to the scriptures, so, so what he's basically saying is that Christ, right, uh, came and he died on the cross. And this is a unique thing about the resurrection that we celebrate, is that you can't get to the resurrection without the tomb, and you can't get to the tomb without the cross, right? So you got to have the cross, then you have the tomb, and then you have the resurrection. And this is where real, true, spiritual life comes from. It comes from not just becoming a better person. It comes from dying and then being resurrected. Now, your only option for inner peace is a resurrected life. It's a redeemed life, one where you've been bought back. Christ died for your sins and buys you back. Now, if you have nothing to be redeemed from, then the gospel cannot help you. If you are perfect, you've got it all figured out, 
right? You have the perfect lipan. You also have perfect skill set, right? You know exactly what your skill set is, where you're going to apply it. You also have a perfect personality, you know? You never offend anybody. You always win everybody over. They always do exactly what you want. You might have perfect hair, perfect teeth, perfect waistline, the perfect everything, right? So you've got it all figured out. You're absolutely perfect. You never make a mistake. You are Paul Simons. I am a rock. I am an island. Okay, good for you. Have fun. Because remember, right, a rock feels no pain and an island never cries. On the other hand, if redemption or inner peace is needed, it must go through the cross in order for you to experience the power of the resurrection. You see, sometimes what, what it is, is um, it's like this. It's like sometimes we have a dream maybe, okay? And in this dream, we're thinking, man, I would like to have a new life. I'd like to have a better chance. But what you have to do is you have to understand is that that dream has to go through the cross in order for it to become a reality in your life. You may think that my life isn't complete. I have some needs, right? But guess what? In order for those needs to be satisfied, they must go through the cross. Otherwise, they will never be satisfied. Our souls, our souls long, our souls thirst for things, right? They have desires in our soul, but those desires can never come to fruition unless they go through the cross. Only then can they be fulfilled. This is the message of the gospel. Christ died for your sins. You see, you cannot do it on your own. And you have to embrace that they must go through the cross first before you get to new life. That's called dying to yourself. Now, let's go on. Now, the next couple of verses, kind of 9 through 11, he talks about, you know, I'm the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve this message, but God asked me to do it. And look at what he says in verse 12. I'm going to pick up there. And this is where you see the second half of his point. Now, if it is preached that Christ has been risen from the dead, how can some of you now say there is no resurrection from the dead? So there are a group of people that are going around and say, well, Jesus raised from the dead, but nobody else does. And he's saying, you know, this is ridiculous. Listen to what he says. If there is no resurrection of the dead, and not even, then not even Christ has been raised from the dead. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, so is your faith. So what I'm doing is worthless, and your faith is worthless. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. We have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. That is a critical verse. I want you to hear it again. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life do we have hope in Christ, we are of all the people most to be pitied. 
So that key phrase, if Christ doesn't raise from the dead, then we're stuck in our sins. And this is why the day of your salvation is such a big deal to you and to me and why Christians celebrate this. Because the resurrection says we are now set free from our sins. We have been released. If Christ doesn't raise from the dead, then we are stuck. We are bogged down. We are trapped. We are chained, handcuffed, immobilized. When Margaret walked into that shelter and she was looking for an answer, the people would say, sorry, don't have anything for you. When Sam in New Orleans had that knock on his door, the people would have said, sorry, got nothing for you. If Christ is not raised from the dead, but Christ has raised from the dead and guess what? That means the power of the resurrection is the thing that redeems all of the things in your life that have been stolen from you, that have been broken, burned up, cheated out of, or you have lost. But they go through the cross in order to do what? Be reborn in the resurrection. And when all of these things in your past, the things that trap you or hold you down, steal your peace, rob you of hope, make you confused, cause you to have a lack of direction in your life, wondering what values and the point of purpose of life is all about, guess what? All of those things go through the cross, and in so doing so, they are buried and put to death so that you come out on the other side. So, so Christians embrace... The fact that all of these things that held them back were a part of their life, and then they allow them to die because they go through the cross in order to come out new creation in Christ. You remember this, uh, one of the greatest songs in the last 200 years in all of Christendom is Amazing Grace written by John Newton, right? You all know how that song goes. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a guy like me who's not so bad but needs a few of my edges kind of rubbed off. Now, first of all, it doesn't really fit with the pentameter or rhyme of the song, right? But is that what he really said? He said, no, he goes, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. I once was blind. I've been found. I can see. See, what, what is he saying? He, he's saying in this song the essence of the gospel, and that is the power of redemption always goes through the cross. That's how death becomes life and how we are set free. You might be in a prison right now that holds you back from inner peace. You might, this prison might hold you back of something that people did to you in the past. If you want to be free, guess what? It's got to go through the cross in order for you to walk and live in freedom. Maybe for some odd reason, you can't see the point and purpose of your life. You're blind and you want to see, but guess what? It must go through the cross so those things can be killed and destroyed in order that you can now walk in the newness of truth and to see. Maybe you're, you're lame and you're like, I, I can't move forward. I am stuck in this thing in my life. But guess what? It has to go through the cross in order to die. Because once it dies, now you can live in a resurrected life. And you begin to walk, even run and sprint again. 
Maybe there's something in your life. And this is the whole point of our day of salvation that was broken. But guess what? Whatever it is that broke you, it must go through the cross because in the cross, it's where it's killed. And once it's been destroyed, Christ raises you up whole and new. Redeemed. See, that's called redemption. And that's what it's all about. Now, I don't know about your day of redemption, but I can tell you a little bit about mine. I have to think back a few decades, but now I just want everybody to know I'm not going through puberty. Um, you know, just having a little trouble with my voice as I get to the end of my third service. So give me a little grace. Here's the deal. All these years ago, decades ago, I, I had that same type of experience that most people have. And that is you're in life, you're struggling, you're trying to figure it out, you don't have any answers. And then someone comes along and shares the truth with you. They preach the gospel to you. And, and the, the, it's like Einstein's MC squared. You know, mathematicians love it because it's so simple. It, it's such a perfectly simple and elegant mathematical equation. And in the same way, these, these truths of the gospel, Christ died for your sins. He died for you. He's buried in the tomb and then he was raised from the dead. And the resurrected life that he uh, exhibited in that power is now what he does in you as he resurrects and heals and restores and frees your soul. That's where inner peace comes from. That's where direction comes from. That's where meaning and purpose comes from. That's where new life comes from. When you go through the cross and are redeemed, all of those things that were holding you back, that were destroying your life can be killed off so that you can walk in the newness of life. Your entire reality changes. And for me, that's what happened. You know, I mean, I was stuck in a lot of ways. I was stuck in a mind loop and an attitude loop. There were things that I just couldn't get out of or over. In a lot of ways, I was stuck in the tomb of life, and maybe you were too. And when you think back to your day of salvation, I think back to my day of salvation. Guess what? In the darkness of it all, there was a little crack of light as that stone just cracked. And in the tomb of the things that were weighing me down, I heard God whisper my name. He whispered your name. And I didn't go, say what? I didn't say, who's that? I didn't say, talk to somebody else, leave a message. Because I knew when he called my name, I knew who was talking to me. And so I, I stood up and I ran out of that grave. I ran out of that old life. I ran away from those things because I knew that those things were going through the cross and they were going to be killed and destroyed so that I could be a redeemed and new person in Jesus Christ. That's what Christians celebrate, right? What we're celebrating is we're celebrating what Jesus, the first fruits of the resurrection proved. And that is, is that Jesus is walking in the new resurrected life so that every single person out there now, since that moment in time, is walking in the same resurrected life as a redeemed follower of Jesus. 
What a great promise that is. And you know what that means? That means that your day of salvation and the day of everybody else's salvation is just like the resurrection celebration that we have on this day. It's always, without a doubt, your most glorious day. Church, why don't you stand up and sing with us this one more time. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I met you. I was breathing, but not. Alive. All my failures I try to hide. It was my truth till I met you. You called my name and I ran out of that grave. Oh, 
spiritual things. If you are listening in and you want a day of salvation, uh, Pastor Harb or myself or someone, an elder will be down here after this service to speak to you. Father God, we celebrate you, Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, for you are risen and you are risen indeed. Amen. God bless you. See you next Sunday.